This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You are an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are no nations. There are no peoples. There is only one holistic system of systems. One vast and imane, interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. And you will atone. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor, the rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody knows. Live from Toronto, Canada. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Everybody knows that All right, friends, how are we? Everybody I had uh, my uh, bird, I should say, a, a slightly uh, a different variation on uh, Thanksgiving. The mighty Aphrodite did something a little different on Saturday. We had my side of the family uh, over and uh, up in Onionville. Uh, turkey pot pies. Turkey pot pies, and I, what can I say other than they were absolutely sublime, but um, uh, I don't know, people seem to be sort of staying away from turkey, I find. Some people do roast beef, some people do, uh, I don't know, Cornish hens. Um, anyway, but there's so many different things you can do with uh, with turkey. If you haven't had your bird, uh, maybe you're having it Monday. Uh, anyway, I wish you uh, all a happy Canadian Thanksgiving, and of course, our uh, our friends in the excited states of America will be doing theirs uh, later on in November. Maybe we'll have turkey then as well. All right, we have uh, for uh, for you a very interesting program. I'm going to be presenting a a film at the Review Cinema here in Toronto on Saturday, October the 17th. And if you go to the website, richardserrett.com, and click on the banner up at the top, you'll see a, an, an advertisement for Camp FEMA. And if you click on that, 
It'll take you to a page. It'll give you all the particulars on the Canadian premiere theatrical screening of this. Um, chilling is about the only word I can come up with. Uh, this is a documentary, Camp FEMA. And I'm going to talk to uh, the two principals involved in producing this documentary in just a few moments. But again, it's Saturday, October the 17th. The Review Cinema here in Toronto, which is 400 Roncesvalles Avenue. Doors open at 6.40 p.m. Film starts at 7. I'm co-presenting with my dear friends, Patrick and Kadena, at Conspiracy Culture, 1696 Queen Street East. And you can get your tickets there. You can get them at the door. Uh, you can um, just order them by calling the store, I'm, I'm guessing, as well. Conspiracy Culture, 1696 Queen Street West, I, uh, East, rather. I hope to see you out there uh, to see Camp FEMA, American Lockdown, Evidence of Internment Camps in America. And as I say, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll speak with the, um, the producers here in just a moment. Coming up sometime after midnight, sometime after midnight, we're going to throw open the phone lines and you can ask me anything. It can, uh, it should be, it must be. Uh, about the things that we talk about on this program, cover-ups, conspiracies. If you'd like to, uh, to share a, a paranormal encounter, the things that make the, uh, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, we'll, we'll do that as well, sometime after midnight. However, let's uh, get right to this uh, chilling discussion. There are, by some reports, over 600 prison camps in the United States all fully operational, ready to receive prisoners. They're staffed, even surrounded by full-time guards, but they're all empty. And these camps, it is said, are to be operated by FEMA. That's the Federal Emergency Management Agency. Should martial law need to be implemented in the United States? As I say, this is all uh, very chilling, and we're about to find out Exactly how chilling. The producers of Camp FEMA, American Lockdown, are William Lewis and Gary Franchi. Both welcome to The Conspiracy Show here on AM740. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Not at all. Uh, Let's um, dive right in here. And let me ask both of you gentlemen... The estimates of 600 prison camps in the U.S., is that accurate as, as far as your research tells you? Well, you know, this is, this is Gary, and the producer, and, you know, in our research on the topic, uh, we came across uh, a map that had an estimate, um, you know, I would say it's probably greater than that as far as the actual potential locations uh, for these camps. Uh, you know, I'm not sure where the 600 came in, but uh, there's 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 potentially a lot more than that. And that was uh, Gary Franchi, your founder of the Lone Lantern Society of America, managing editor of Restore the Republic magazine. Uh, yes, Republic magazine, uh, RestoreTheRepublic.com, uh, national director. I host my own uh, video webcast on RealityReport.tv. Uh, you know, I'm producing this film with William, and we're, we're just we're getting to the bottom of of what's happening in America. Um, you know, it, it, America is, is descending uh, into into a tyrannical state, and you know what Camp FEMA does 
so well, and uh, unfortunately, it's, it's such a terrifying topic, but uh, you know, it, it paints the picture and the mindset and the means that the United States government, the government that was formed by the people and uh, formed to preserve the rights of the people of America, um, well, it, it is turning on its people. William Lewis is uh, is also with us, and uh, he has seven uh, documentaries under his belt. He's written and directed, including 9-11 in Plain Sight, the award-winning Beyond Treason, Washington, You're Fired, and, of course, most currently, Camp FEMA, American Lockdown. Uh, William or, or Gary, jump uh, right in, either of you, but tell me a little bit about uh, the Rex 84 program. Well, let me jump in there. Um I think it's important to back up just a little bit before we jump into some of the other programs that they have. Um, the The way we lay it out in the documentary that I think makes it convincing for most people is the first thing that we show them is the 1940s internment camps that they locked up Americans in. These uh, these happened to be Japanese Americans, but natural-born Americans nonetheless. And we take a look at what those camps looked like, uh, what they, you know, what facilities were in there, hospitals, medical facilities, uh, what types of programs did they have, re-education. Uh, they had um, schools for the kids, public works, Department of Transportation, etc. And we looked at the, the mechanism that they used to determine if a person was supposed to be put in those camps and where did they get the information, illegal information? And you know what we were able to determine is that they took the 1940s census information and turned it over to the White House, who, requ- who they, they actually requested the information. All right, and it was turned over. They used that to determine if you were one sixth of a percent Japanese ancestry, and if you were, you got added to the list. This um, particular legislation and documentation and, and things that we present in the, in the film are presented kind of in a timeline, starting back in the 1950s with the counterintelligence program of the FBI. And this was very important to point out to people because it lasted in this country for 30 years or so, we were told. And, you know, obviously we found information to the contrary, but... This came up in a Senate Select Committee hearing back in 1975, chaired by uh, Frank Church, Senator Frank Church. And uh, the information that they uncovered, basically, uh, you know, we we arranged in about three different um, directives for FEMA. One was that they were responsible for national emergency recovery. Two they were responsible for continuity of government. And three, which is mentioned in this report, is this phrase, combating perceived threats to the existing social and political order. So we took that information and were able to connect it to the FBI report and subsequent uh, reports that came out, like Project Megiddo Megiddo and so forth, that uh, happened under the Clinton administration, but going all the way up to uh, this uh, uh, Phoenix memo that 
or Phoenix uh, brochure put out by the FBI to inform other FBI agents what to look for mentioned that they were looking for people who were concerned about property rights, uh, gun ownership, uh, homeschooling, and the Y2K virus. All these people were just kind of lumped in together, and these police officers, the FBI, were telling these police officers that these people could be potential militia members. They could be dangerous right-wing extremists. They could, uh, you know, be plotting to blow up something. So the, these are the these are the the new terrorists uh, in, in America. The, the the people that are perceived to be a threat against the existing social and political order. If you would disagree with the uh, the, the administration, uh, so I, I'm I'm guessing that, that they have a list. FEMA. I mean, we've we've heard often about FEMA's uh, list. I, I think it's called the Red List, and purportedly a million uh, individuals on that list. So th- these are the people that would be uh, rounded up and placed in these internment camps. Is that correct? Potentially so. Potentially, yes. Th- th- these are linked to, obviously, the uh, Department of Homeland Security report that just came out and the MIAC reports that are issued uh, from Missouri. And um, those reports specifically mention people who are opposed to the Federal Reserve or the United Nations or people who use the terminology like the New World Order, people who are opposed to income tax, RFID chipping, abortion, illegal immigration. So it's a very wide range of uh, uh, people that are all being lumped into one category and all called a potential homegrown domestic terrorist. William Lewis and Gary Franchi are the producers of Camp FEMA, American Lockdown, Evidence of Internment Camps, in America. Stay with us. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak to Richard live, call 416 360 0740 or toll free in Ontario. 1-866-740-4740. In a revealing admission, the Director of Resource Management for the U.S. Army confirmed the validity of a memorandum relating to the establishment of a civilian inmate labor program under development by the Department of the Army. The document states... Quote, enclosed for your review and comment is the draft Army regulation on civilian inmate labor utilization and the procedure to establish civilian prison camps on installations. William Lewis and Gary Franchi are the producers of Camp FEMA, American Lockdown, Evidence of Internment Camps in America, we're not talking about World War II, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about 2009 uh, in anticipation of some sort of civil unrest. Uh, but um, it would appear that they are preparing to round up a whole lot of people. Uh, William and, William and uh, Gary, I have heard that uh, one of the largest internment uh, camps is located near Fairbanks, Alaska, and it is capable of holding something like two million people. Uh, first of all, uh, what have you heard about that particular installation? And, and, and in general, 
where are these uh, um, located, and and, uh, and and roughly how many people can they uh, they house? Um, you know, I'll, I'll take that, William. Basically, um, you mentioned the Fairbanks, Alaska camp, and in my research doing um, you know basic satellite imagery analysis, um, you know, you can you can just find a lot of these places. Uh, it's very easy. I mean, with the technology that's at the disposal through the internet, um, you could almost zoom in to the very locations. And a lot of these places have uh, very common characteristics, as uh, as you will see in the film. That uh, double line fencing uh, on the perimeter, um, watchtowers, uh, easy access to rail lines or waterways um, for uh, transportation of prisoners. Um, usually outside of uh, major metropolis uh, areas, and you know they they can hold anywhere from you know several thousand all the way up to you know on the high end like like you just mentioned the Fairbanks camp um, you know into the millions because there's so much so much property up there. Uh, but what most people fail to actually realize is that um, some of the camps are not even built and that there's mothballed contracts that are sitting on desks waiting for the excuse to um, erect new and brand new, brand new uh, facilities uh, with American taxpayer dollars. Now these camps, um, and just, just as in the, 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 the situation with the Japanese Americans in World War II, um, they, they can use existing facilities. Now we mentioned the 600 camps at the beginning of the show. <clears throat> Um, that does not necessarily mean these are these are military bases or installations themselves. They can be something as simple as an airport hangar. Uh, they can be as simple as a state fairground, um, uh, a stadium, uh, even a mall. I mean, there is footage in the film of a mall that was taken over, a portion of a mall that was taken over by FEMA and the Department of Homeland Security for this very purpose. So... Um, these things are in plain view, right underneath the average American's noses. So while we think in the traditional sense that they're going to have fences and guard posts and watchtowers and all these things, they, they can also be everyday average facilities in use in plain view. I am uh, uh, also recalling a story that a lot of these camps uh, uh, were um, were built by uh, Halliburton or a subsidiary of, of Halliburton and received a contract to build them. Yes, uh, KBR. That's true? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Kellogg, Brown, and Root uh, received contract and funding to build the camps. That's absolutely true. So there is a paper trail. I mean, we have check stubs. We have, I mean, there's no, we, we have almost, uh, you know, ad- admissions. I, I mentioned the, uh, uh, the quote from... Uh, a gentleman with the um, the U.S. Army earlier is basically admitting to this. So this it's not really a secret, then, is it? No, no, it's not a secret. Uh, I mean, if, if you do the homework, as we did and we put in the film, I mean, the documentation is there. Uh, it's irrefutable, and it, it, the only thing that's the only thing that we need now, or I should say, they need now, is a trigger mechanism, a reason to round up the American people. What we're seeing too with the swine flu in this, this these pandemic situations. Uh, forced vaccinations, uh, that could be a very strong uh, indicator that they could activate this network of camps in the, in the United States. Um, 
but we're also noticing the trend of the demonization of constitutionalists, uh, Americans who uphold, you know, and, and, and revere uh, the founding documents. So, you know, it, it just can take a trigger for them to press that button and say, okay, let's go into this scenario and start rounding people up. Holloman Air Force Base in, um, in, in New Mexico. There are, again, uh, rumors, uh, perhaps you can substantiate, perhaps not, that there are German troops stationed there. Have you heard about this? And, and are there other, uh, we're also hearing reports of in, in other uh, uh, bases, again, foreign troops on American soil. Well, that, that's nothing new. I mean, you have, um, you have the United Nations, uh, you know, troops working and, and, and training. Um, you know, and the United Nations brings troops from all over the world. And no, that that's 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 old news. I mean, uh, you know, they've been they've been training, cross training, working with each other for uh, for years and years and years. When you uh, either of you, when you uh, contacted Homeland Security uh, to 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 ask them about these internment camps, what is their official uh, line? They, they well, I, well, I contacted FEMA directly. Uh, okay, and, and I spoke with the press representative there. Uh, you know, requesting specific information, and uh, you know, was repeatedly brushed off. Uh, no phone calls returned. Uh, nothing. You know, they they ignore these things. They, you know, they they rely. You know, they rely on us to go ahead and do our homework, do the legwork, do the research, and, and dig and dig and dig through you know, pub, you know, public record searches and those types of things to to get the information. They're they're not forthcoming. Are these uh, uh, internment camps connected by railroad lines, um, uh, interstate highways, uh, or how are they are incredibly remote? How are they connected in terms of transportation? Well, as I mentioned earlier, the various modes of transportation, uh, highway, railway, high, highway systems, railway systems, waterways, uh, you know, traditional transportation methods. Are they, are they close to international airports? Uh, well, yeah. Some, I mean, some of them are airports. Some of them are on air on oh. airport uh, properties. Right. You mentioned hangars. Yes. And so, what would the idea be that there would be perhaps uh, collection uh, uh, camps, and then from there they might be moved to a larger camp, let's say Fairbanks, that reportedly holds two million people? Well, we we can only rely on history, um, you know, to speculate. And in the in the instance, we, we'll go back to the, the Japanese Americans were routed up. Um, you know, I sat down with the, an internment camp survivor, a um, gentleman by the name of Sam Ozaki, uh, who told me his firsthand experience and how, uh, how him and his family and, and his, uh, rel- you know, his relatives were, were, were rounded up. They were notified they had to report to gathering centers. And at these gathering centers, they could only carry what, uh, what, they, what, they, could, what they could hold in both their hands. Um, and because at that time they did not have the facilities constructed yet, uh, they held the Americans in state fairgrounds and uh, racetracks and these types of facilities until the actual places were constructed. So looking at history, we have to say that um, you know, they will bring people to smaller locations, temporary, uh, I guess you would call them... Um, uh, you know, registration zones or, or something of that nature so that they could you know, figure out who's there, what they're going to do with them, and then 
bringing them on to the more permanent facility as they did in the, the uh, World War II. It sounds like Nazi Germany, and keeping in mind that during Operation Paperclip, of course, the uh, Americans exfiltrated Hitler's top spy on the Eastern Front, Reinhard Galen, who basically began the CIA. Uh, and uh, so perhaps we shouldn't be surprised. Internment camps in America, hundreds of them, some capable of holding up to two million people, foreign soldiers on U.S. soil, ready to guard American civilians. It's all real. It's all here. Why? Why? You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Camp FEMA, American Lockdown. The producers, William Lewis and Gary Franchi, on the line. I'm just looking here at a, um, a document uh, purporting to um, detail how uh, these FEMA detention facilities would be uh, organized. We're looking at allegedly 10 federal regions in the United States. So Region 1 would be Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Vermont. Regional capital would be Boston. Region 2 would be New York, New Jersey, Puerto Rico, Virgin Island. Regional capital would be New York City. On and on it goes. Region 9, Arizona, California, Hawaii, Nevada. Regional capital, San Francisco. Uh, and then uh, my understanding is, uh, gentlemen, that the the president does not need to wait for some national catastrophe or emergency. He could basically declare a national emergency at any time. Is that correct? The legislation is in place? For just about anything at his whim, he can declare a national emergency because the term national emergency in most of the executive orders that you see is very broadly defined. So it could be a riot on a street corner, or it could be an economic collapse. It could be hundreds of thousands or millions of people out of work protesting on the White House, White House lawn. I mean, it could be anything, whatever they, whatever they want it to be, and including civil unrest. We've noticed this coming up quite a bit, too, from the, uh, all the way from the Army Brigade that's been stationed here in the United States. Uh, back to the civilian inmate uh, labor camp program and um, some things that were mentioned in an article on Army.mil about how these how this Army Brigade would be used after it is stationed in the United States. You know, um, <laughs> they very plainly state that they're going to be controlling everything from the traffic lights to food. You know, this is... Uh, what they want to be able to control. And if they can control uh, the, the food supply in the United States, then they've got us locked down. It's that simple. Uh, in, during the shooting of the film, did you get close to one of these uh, internment camps? Will, will we see actual footage of one of these internment camps? Gary, take that one. You, you went there. Well, you know, I, I, there was one camp that we wanted to investigate specifically uh there was a camp that has been a hotbed of controversy for many years now uh in fact the um television um 
Anchor, Glenn Beck, uh, mentioned it on one of his shows. And several months back, I decided to get in the car, drive down to um, Indianapolis, just outside of Indianapolis. There's an Amtrak uh, repair station. And the, this camp, um, you know, it actually has a lot of the characteristics that one would believe to be a camp. And in my close inspection, this, this was not, in fact, a facility. Uh, it, was, it was an actual Amtrak repair station. Um, there were, I mean, there, it was, I mean, it, look, it, ha- it had the characteristics. It was near rail lines. Uh, it had a double-line perimeter fencing, um, but it was clearly an Amtrak facility. So uh, we, we chose to leave that out of the, of the film because it, it just, it was out of context. You know, we didn't want to create a debunking uh, film. You know, we wanted to prove the fact. And, you know, in the research that we uncovered, you know, we had people sending us, you know, uh, video clips. We had people sending us pictures uh, of their own research. And, uh, and that's what made it into the film. Uh, we have another part two that's in the works that we intend to actually get boots on the ground to get to more of these facilities. Uh, just the budget, the budget did not allow for something of that scale and scope. So we had to rely on you know volunteers, um, investigators on the ground, and other locations to do the recon for us. Uh, and we you know we went to the, the Indianapolis camp to you know prove or or disprove its its um, its existence. Uh, we're talking about, uh, I mean, the identifiers, uh, so that you you would be able to tell, uh, let's say, an Amtrak repair uh, station from an actual uh, a FEMA facility. I'm guessing we we would be looking at uh, razor wire topped fencing. We we'd see guard towers. We'd see uh, perhaps railroad or helicopter landing pads. Uh, the, these yeah. sorts of things. Yeah, like we, I was looking for those specific characteristics at the at the Indianapolis uh, Amtrak facility. And there were no guard towers, for one. Um, the helicopter landing pad actually belonged to a, uh, a fire department that was um, just on the other side of a tree line. And the, obviously the rail lines that came in were for uh, bringing in the, the, the broken down train cars. I did have razor wire, and there was a sufficient, I mean, there was a lot of fence all around this place. Um, but, I mean, it was, a fu- it was a fully staffed, fully functioning Amtrak repair facility. In fact, I saw Amtrak employees walking around, uh, and they gave me the evil eye when they saw me, you know, snooping around with my video camera. <laughs> you know, it's also important to point out that just because something is not a FEMA facility or an internment camp or whatever you want to call it today doesn't mean that in 24 hours it can't be one. Uh, this is something we covered very heavily in the film. John Statmuller. Uh, Alex Jones and a couple of others covered this topic for us, and you know they simply point out that, um, and, and as, as you see in the footage that we've got, I mean they've got a machine that will lay down barbed wire fencing, um, a, a concertina wire, three spools of it. Uh, it's about 12 or so feet tall. It lays it out, um, I believe, 300 feet per minute, which is pretty fast. The, the, you know, as fast as the truck can drive along and lay it out on this perimeter. That's how fast this stuff is being laid out. Um, there's all sorts of um, pop-up tents and facilities of that nature that are already used in the military 
that can very easily be adapted. There's guard towers that are portable that can just be moved in, and you hit a button, and presto, you've got a guard tower. You know, so um, these things don't have to be right out there in the open for you to see when it's time, when they have their mechanism that triggers this. And I have a feeling, you know, it's going to be uh, something of a medical nature, something of an emergency where people are literally afraid for their lives, like the the swine flu that we see being pumped up in the press and told that, uh, you know, there's a much higher number of deaths with this particular strain than there are with others, which, you know, if you go look at the research, isn't necessarily true. Um, there's a lot of exaggeration going on, and it makes you wonder why they're doing this. So you're saying that if the mar- if martial law is declared over some sort of a health scare, it would be a pretext. In other words, uh, it, it would just simply be a cover or an excuse. Uh, but to what end? Uh, are we talking about, uh, ultimately, the fulfillment of uh, the globalist's agenda, the destruction of the United States, uh, you know, the United Nations uh, or, or the, the New World Order taking over, uh, taking over, essentially? Well, in, in my opinion, um, the New World Order cannot succeed as long as you have uh, a, a, a a portion of the American population that is, you know, holding on to their constitution and their guns. And, I mean, we, America is the last free hope for the world. And if America goes down, the New World Order will prevail. And that is part of their plan. I mean, you just, just look, look, at the, look at the civil liberties abuses that are taking place through uh, just during the Bush administration that have not been repealed through the Obama administration is business as usual. You know, just just look at it. it. The trend that we are seeing, like I mentioned earlier, is the demonization of the freedom-loving, constitutionalist, Bill of Rights touting American citizens right now in America. Let's go to the phones and welcome Sid in Toronto. Sid, you're on the air. Go ahead. Welcome back on the air there, Richard. Thank you. Uh, yes, uh, my question is for your guest. Um, seeing that 90% of the veterans coming back from Afghanistan are uh, on antidepressants, does that mean that they'll be denied the right to bear arms when they get back? And uh, the reason I'm asking is... Um, part of your oath in the states is the fact that uh, you're to protect the country from enemies, domestic and foreign. Yes, Sid. Um, I, I was going to say that uh, that's uh, that's an, uh, you know an important point that you're making there because what they've done in this country uh, by trying to license firearms to uh, veterans, what they can do is simply say that um, you're mentally unstable and you're not mentally capable of owning a firearm because you may use it to, uh, you know, who knows what, whatever yes. excuses that they want. But the point is, is that in, in the United States, we have a constitution and a second amendment. And that second amendment is a right. Hmm. The, the difference is that when they can license you, when they can give you a permit Right, and they—they—that's no longer a right mm-hmm. because a right—a right can't be taken away or denied. 
when they start issuing permits for guns, then they can simply at some point, just like they did in Nazi Germany, keep in mind the similarities are eerie. They, you know, they did the same thing. They passed laws that gave them the right or the ability to be able to license the guns to people who wanted to purchase them. And over a period of about two years, they had contorted the law and twisted it to the degree that no one was capable of passing their test to own one of these guns. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> That's my concern. You know, yeah. um, I could see how it ties in with these camps. Uh, if your people aren't able to defend your own country, you know, they take that right away, then, you know, it's going to be pretty scary. Sid, thank you so much for the call. Thank you, Richard. Uh, William and Gary, you also have in the United States an act uh, that's about 130 years old. It's uh, the Posse Comitatus Act, which would prevent, presumably, the the use of your military for law enforcement. Now, tell me, clarify the status of, of, of Posse Comitatus. Has that been uh, essentially uh, neutered? Is it still on the books? And uh, if well, no, so... It, it's, it's still on the books, of course, but they passed... Uh, William, what was it, the John Warner Defense Act? Was that it? Uh, the 2007 John Warner Defense Act, yeah. Yeah, the John Warner Defense Act basically... Um, it repealed Bossy Comitatus, so now the American troops can be turned on the American people. And one would one would hope one would hope they would be unwilling to do that, and perhaps that is why they would then, as a as a fail safe position, bring in foreign troops under the auspices of the United Nations to do the dirty work. Well, it, it, you know, it's not even foreign troops these days. Um, you know, you have these private mercenary armies that are springing up. Um, Blackwater, for one, uh, now recently renamed, I think it's XE or IE or something like that, IX. Or, and then you have um, recently in Hardin, Montana, uh, this this corporation called the American Police Force uh, drops in and commandeers an entire prison uh, and brings in uh, brings in foreign mercenaries, literally foreign mercenary troops. Under a private corporation, under under a private uh, security banner, so it doesn't even have to be, um, you know, the UN troops. Because if if the if if American troops won't get the job done, they'll just go ahead and hire it out. They'll subcontract it out as they're doing in Iraq. In Iraq, you hear them tr- they throw that term around contractor contractor. Um, you know, these aren't guys that are going in and fixing plumbing. These are guys that are security contractors. You know, fully armed. Fu- you know, fully fully prepared to shoot to kill. Okay, private contractors. This is this is the new this is the new weapon in in the new world orders arsenal. All right, I um I got to take a quick time out. When we come back, I have to ask you about reports of guillotines uh, being shipped across the country hither and yon aboard uh, rail cars. Are these in fact Part of the uh, the New World Order's plans for these FEMA-run facilities, these internment camps, guillotines, starting to sound like revelations a little bit here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To reach Richard... 
Call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. William Lewis, Gary Franchi, my guests, producers of Camp FEMA. American Lockdown, Evidence of Internment Camps in America. And the Canadian theatrical premiere is happening next Saturday, October the 17th, at the Review Cinema. I will be presenting the film. Hope to see you out there. Along with uh, Conspiracy Culture down at uh, 1696 Queen Street East. And you can order tickets uh, by calling uh, Conspiracy Culture. And the number is 416 916 1696 416-916-1696. Uh, advanced tickets $7 each or 5 for 30 At the door, $10 each, assuming there will be some available, keeping in mind that these film screenings uh, t- have a tendency to sell out. Again, it's at the Review Cinema, 400 Roncesvall Avenue. William Lewis, Gary Franchi, uh, producers. All right, uh, gentlemen, the, uh, the, the big question, I, I've heard it after doing this program uh, for 10 years, uh, you know, reports of uh, people seeing guillotines being shipped across the country. Uh, do you address that at all in uh, the documentary, and, and what are your thoughts about uh, this, uh, this rumor? Well, Richard, if, if I may, you know, the reason we made this film was because there was just so much information on the web, there, in my opinion, disinformation, um, information put out through unconfirmed and unreliable sources over the past 10, 15 years. So, um, you know, we, of course, looked at this information and, you know, tried to find the, the nuggets of truth that we could hold on to. Unfortunately, we couldn't. Um, you know, we could not find, we could not verify, we couldn't, you know, get, get to the bottom of any of these facts. And... Uh, we, we 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 chose to not address these for that very reason because we want to we want to present a film that gives you the facts, the irrefutable information about the state of the United, the state of America, and the, the mindset of our leaders and um, these camps that will be used for the end game. Uh, how is martial law? Do you think uh, how how is this going to play out? I, is it going to be, as, as some have suggested, it's going to come one city at a time? For example, uh, city, council, city councils all across the United States are, are passing these emergency power uh, ordinances, all of which are nearly identical in, in form and content. And they would allow the, uh, the unelected city administrators, city managers, to take complete control of town functions during a declared state of emergency. Do you think it's going to happen that way, one city at a time? William? I don't know about that. Uh, I think if it happened one city at a time and word got out, uh, that would be very dangerous because we have such a large number of people in the United States who are gun owners, and quite frankly, many of them are gearing up for something like this, stockpiling ammunition and weapons in the event that something like this were to happen. And, you know, God forbid that uh, it would actually come down to something like that, but uh, I don't think city by city would be uh, a really... I mean, unless they were so convincing. In other words, unless they could block out all the information from the city, uh, you know, no reporters, uh, no video feed going out. I think that's very hard to do with the Internet these days. Um, somehow they would have to keep all of that information from the American people so that, uh, you know... 
we wouldn't be able to react. They don't want us to have enough uh, reaction time to be able to coordinate something of a, uh, of a response to what they're doing. Well, here's an so, interesting, uh, an interesting question, uh, uh, gentlemen, and, and that is, in your town or in your city, how many people would have to be arrested and hauled away uh, secretly under the dead of night before you actually even noticed? I mean, you, you know, it could be twenty, thirty, forty thousand in in a, in, a, in a city the size of Toronto, for example, uh, fifty thousand, and and people might not notice. Well, they, they, you know, a false flag operation is indistinguishable when it's happening from the the actual real event. And if they were to release some type of an agent into, uh, you know, a city, uh, Bacillus, Subtilis, Anthrax, you name it, whatever they've got, uh, and they've done these spraying tests uh, since the 50s to see the, you know, the, the, the patterns that are laid out and how many people get sick, they use inert Subtilis to be able to, uh, uh, you know, test at hospitals how many people are being recorded ill and how many people have died from these things. I mean, this is, uh, you know, in, in documentation that we uncovered uh, six or seven years ago, nothing new about this. Um, but the difference here, I think, is if they were to do something like this now, it could very easily be a situation where, you know, you're killing instead of rounding up people, it, it may be easier to kill off a large portion of them first and then round up the stragglers and the people who are left over and the people who have, you know, healthy immune systems. All that right. would seem to be, yeah. Gentlemen, uh, stay, uh, stay put. We'll uh, reconnoiter back on the other side and continue to delve into, again, what I have to describe as simply chilling, a documentary called Camp FEMA, American Lockdown, Evidence of Internment Camps in America. Stay with us. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. And coming up somewhere after midnight, might be around 12.30 before we get to it, we'll uh, do open lines, a segment I like to call Ask Richard Anything. If you have a question or a comment pertaining to uh, cover-ups, conspiracies, the paranormal, that will be the time to call. Right now, Gary Franchi and William Lewis are with the program, and uh, they are the producers of Camp FEMA, American Lockdown. Gary is founder of the Lone Lantern Society of America, managing editor of Republic Magazine, and uh, William Lewis has uh, no fewer than seven documentaries under his belt, including 9-11 in Plain Sight, Beyond Treason, Washington, You're Fired, and, of course, the aforementioned Camp FEMA. Uh, let me ask you, as someone doing a program based out of Toronto, Canada, I mean, many of our listeners are in the United States, but for those listening up here in Canada, they might be saying, well, what does this have to do with me? Uh, is there a similar, uh, a similar uh, uh, detention center type system up here in Canada, uh, do you well, know? From what I've learned and... <clears throat> <laughs> Excuse me. The, the I mean, there the governments are. You know, we're, we're we're neighbors. You know, and the there there is torture taking place in Toronto. You know, by the police. Um, the the corruption goes so deep um, in in Canada. 
Canada. Well, I, well, hey, I have to stop you there. When you say there is torture going on by the police, I mean that uh, we, we just can't throw that out there without you know offering some substantiation. We uh, we can say allegedly. I mean, I I, I know. Oh, no, no, no. I, I'm, I will I will say it flat out. Um, you know the uh, the Canadian police. Uh, well, I should say the Ontario police incarcerated an American citizen, tortured him, took his family, put them in, uh, well, possibly murdered his family, because he uncovered a drug-running operation that was funded and operated by the police department in Ontario. Um, these, are his, th- these are his claims? Um... Oh, you can, you, can, you can take a look at the, all the facts for themselves. There's cover-up, the State Department of the United States is involved. Um, big, big, big problem. Right now, I mean, it, it's it's getting a lot of coverage over here. Uh, I personally interviewed the, the victim who was tortured uh, for four years in the Whitby jail. Uh, ScottLoperStory.com is the website. Um, and the, the Canadian government is running scared. They, they actually denied that he, that, that he ever lived there. Uh, and then through investigation, they, well, they, they, they opened up their mouths and, <laughs> well, sure enough, they admitted that he was there. I mean, this, I mean what, I'm, what I'm trying to get at is that, you know, there is a deep-seated corruption on both sides of the border here. Okay, uh, there, there's a deep-seated disrespect for freedom, and the New World Order doesn't see borders. The New World Order does not uh, does not want free people, free speech to prevail. And you know, uh, William, we did an interview uh, with another radio host. He brought up camps specifically in Canada uh, that he had seen. So it, it it's happening. It's it's happening all across the world. Can you can you recall uh, the location of those camps that, that were mentioned up here in Canada? William, do you recall? You know, I can't even remember the name of the uh, radio host. I'm sorry. We've like we're doing a couple of these radio programs a day, and this was a couple of weeks ago, guys. But uh, I'll find it if you'd like for me to. It was uh, you know it was it was the, the Bill Deagle radio show. That was where we. Um, all right. That. Well, maybe perhaps we can do a little bit of digging and, and, and find. Okay, uh, gentlemen, incidentally, would you be able to, to, to stay with us a little bit a bit past uh, a twelve midnight? Sure. Because we're fast approaching. We're at uh, about three minutes uh, to, to twelve, and if if possible, I'd like to, to hold on to you because obviously uh, an issue of this import demands a little bit more time, and I, I have certainly um, more questions to ask. If you'd be good to do that, I'd appreciate it. Let me ask you this. The election of, uh, of Barack Obama, uh, I'm wondering whether a decision was made by um, the unelected oligarchs to present Barack Obama, uh, and of course the whole myth-making machine now that's behind him, the presentation of the, uh, the Nobel Peace Prize, uh, um, whether the decision was made to have him in office when martial law uh, is is uh, declared, because it might be seen by by many to be more palatable coming from a, um, a more left leaning uh, member of the visible minority, rather than the much maligned and certainly incredibly unpopular uh, former President Bush. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm going to let you take that, Gary. Okay, um, <laughs> I think, you know, Obama, the choice for the, for the global elite to uh, install Obama was made purely on his, uh, his charisma, 
and his ability to uh, uh, to, to to swoon the American people. So I, I think that uh, at this point, no matter what comes out of that guy's mouth, I think that uh, you know, you know, if he tells the American people to jump, they're going to jump. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the choice was easy. You know, we had. There were no. I mean, the choice was easy for the for the global elites. Um, they they presented the American people with a, a series of candidates, um, all of them speaking. It was, they're they're all pro war candidates. The only one that wasn't was pretty much uh, Ron Paul. And Obama was the darling boy. I knew I knew Obama was the darling boy. What? what I mean, just look at the guy. I mean, he, he looks like he looks like the perfect global president. You know, I mean, multi-ethnic, multi-religious foundation. Um, you know, I think he just fits the mold for the, for a president of a global nature. I mean, look at—they just gave him the Nobel Peace Prize for doing nothing. I mean, I think we've got a serious problem on our hands here with Obama. All right, uh, gentlemen, stay put. Then I appreciate uh, your uh, willingness to extend the interview and we'll do just that camp fema american lockdown evidence of internment camps in america and perhaps here in canada stay with us we deal in illusions man none of it is true but you people sit there day after day night after night all ages colors creeds we're all you know you're beginning to believe the illusions we're spinning here. You're beginning to think that the tube is reality and that your own lives are unreal. You do whatever the tube tells you. You dress like the tube. You eat like the tube. You raise your children like the tube. You even think like the tube. This is mass madness, you maniacs. In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion. So turn off your television sets. Turn them off now. Turn them off right now. Turn them off and leave them off. Turn them off right in the middle of the sentence I'm speaking to you now. Turn them off. Brainwashed in our childhood. Brainwashed by the school. Brainwashed by our teachers. And brainwashed by all the rules. Brainwashed by our leaders. By our kings and queens. Brainwashed in the open and brainwashed behind the scenes. Live from Toronto, Canada. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Well, you've had an hour to sit back and listen to what my two guests are saying, the evidence that they're providing and documenting in their new film, Camp FEMA. What do you make of William Lewis and Gary Franchi and what they're saying? Do you believe this is all true? There are internment camps, hundreds of internment camps, FEMA-run facilities in the United States, now sitting empty, but prepared to be filled with undesirables, whatever that means. Is there a, uh, a, a FEMA list? We've heard about this uh, alleged FEMA red list, uh, William and Gary. Does it exist? Uh, can it be uh, 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 uncovered using the Freedom of Information Act, uh, or is it just a rumor? I think we approached that one as a rumor. Uh, we, we did get some information from Alex Jones on it, decided at the last minute not to put it into the documentary. But basically what it boils down to is every totalitarian government has a list. I mean, this is, you know, <laughs> uh, 
uh, every presidential administration has an enemies list. I mean, look at the 700 FBI files that were found at the Clinton uh, White House. Uh, this is nothing out of the ordinary that they would have a list of people that were in a certain priority that they wanted to round up first because those those are the people that may be outspoken. Those are the people that um, they consider to be a larger threat. And, you know, uh, we, we couldn't confirm a red list. We couldn't confirm a blue list. There are people on the Internet that do talk about this, ex-FBI agents and so forth. And, you know, I, I didn't necessarily find the information to be uh, credible. If someone wants to send me some information on that, I'll be happy to take a look at it. And if we find that uh, it's, uh, it's truthful, we may consider a revision to the uh, documentary. You, you, uh, you talk about the... Uh, you sit back and you watch your uh, political leaders passing these bills that are, are labeling ordinary people as thought criminals and potential domestic terrorists for simply questioning the actions of their government. Uh, can you give us some examples of some of the, the bills that have, that have, that have passed, uh, perhaps under the wire uh, of, of the media uh, glare, uh, that, that concern you the most? Gary, you want to cover the H.R. 645? Well, yeah, H.R. 645, uh, introduced by Elsie Hastings out of Florida, Congressman, uh, sets up no fewer than six regions, uh, or I should say six, uh, six national emergency centers, as they're called, in no fewer than six FEMA regions. Uh, these emergency centers are... W- We'll, we'll basically mirror the same uh, camps that were used during World War II uh, in America against the Japanese, or I should say against uh, American citizens, really. Um, complete with education centers, hospitals, schools, um, you know, it, a city within a city, so to speak. Uh, and, I mean, this, this is H.R. 645. This is, this is a bill introduced by Congress, Congressman. You know, that, that, really, that really bothers us, but... It, I mean, legislation is one thing. Okay, legislation can be voted up, voted down. Um, but what's what's even more bothersome is when you have entities like the Department of Homeland Security working with fusion centers, which are uh, basically a conglomeration of uh, local, state, and federal police agencies, um, almost like microintelligence centers, receiving information from Homeland Security Department, uh, releasing statements, documents, warnings about citizens in America who may endorse a political candidate that doesn't, uh, you know, jive with the establishment, or that labels somebody who may be against the Federal Reserve System or, uh, you know, maybe a gun rights advocate as a terrorist. Legislation is one thing, but what is what's more troubling is the bureaucratic statements that come out from these uh, departments in the government. The MIAC report specifically, that's what I'm speaking of, the Missouri Information Analysis Center document. Uh, then, of course, the Homeland Security uh, Codex, which had a, a whole other definition of, I mean, this thing was like hundreds of pages that defined specific groups of people as domestic terrorists, William, you want do you want to expound a little bit more on the Homeland Security document? Yeah, well, I mean, this, you go back and look at the mindset of uh, 
the 2008 elections, we were uh, busily trying to get people in and out. Uh, you know, the, the Republicans were in charge, and we wanted to get Democrats in there, and we did. We replaced all of our Republicans with mostly Democrats in the House, and we still got legislation uh, like um, was it the H.R. 1955, which basically said that if you were protesting for any reason whatsoever, if you were um, attempting to sway someone's mind, if you were attempting to educate someone on your particular topic, that that form of communication was dangerous and potentially you could be a what they called a domestic homegrown terrorist and uh, that particular legislation we didn't see it get passed but what we saw is the the framework of that document used in the Department of Homeland Security in order to draft their reports they provide about 30% of the information that goes out to these fusion centers, all right? And the, the MIAC report that we had issued here in Missouri was not the first one of its kind. They've been doing this for, for um, I don't know, uh, 12 or so reports now. They've got quite a few under their belt. And, you know, the, the latest one was the scariest because it actually named individuals. We've never had a report such as this issued in the United States by a federal agency that specifically names people, a person, Chuck Baldwin, anyone who supports Chuck Baldwin, Bob Barr. The, uh, the leaders of the, the Libertarian Party and the Constitution Party. And Ron Paul, who's a Republican, too. So, you know, they're, they're on the not, list? Yeah, Ron Paul is on the list. Wow. All right, let's, uh, let's go to the phones, uh, gentlemen. Uh, Fred is in Philadelphia. Fred, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. You're on the line with William Lewis, Gary Franchi, producers of Camp FEMA. Hi. Uh, I want to talk about the, um, uh, the detaining of a gentleman named John in Atlanta uh, or the or immediate Atlanta vicinity, and he was uh, detained for five and a half months, uh, uh, ending 10-31-04. Uh, he was he was basically only involved with starting a seminar independently on food storage, and uh, uh, he basically was uh, arrested at night and taken to a secret facility where he did not have uh, habeas corpus, did not have uh, communication. And his family didn't know where he was. The only way he was able to get out was he was able to have a a female doctor smuggle a note out. And she had basically told him that he was not ever going to get out. Fred, how did you know this uh, John uh, in Atlanta? John in Atlanta. Now, how do you know him? Uh, well, the, uh, the the man in question, John... Uh, uh, is a is a friend of a talk show host named Brent Johnson, and uh, the, the 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 John did actually have a court hearing in Atlanta, uh, but the way that these court hearings are structured, they can be secret. So that that I have not been able to get all the facts because he was basically psychologically destroyed. 
by this detention. Fred, but, uh, th- thank you for that. Let me just ask William and Gary, uh, uh, yeah, how much, how, how often is this going on? Uh, the people are, are being detained uh, with, without trial or uh, essentially secret trials. Is this common? Well, this, this is the result of the Patriot Act, bottom line. Uh, the Patriot Act allows for sneak and peek uh, searches of, of Americans' homes, um, secret detention, um, these types of things. And it's, it's, it, it sounds like this is a, one of those cases where <clears throat> information actually was leaked out about it. So, you know, the, the Patriot Act... Sorry, we lost you there. The Patriot Act... We'll uh, get to uh, Mario in New York in just a moment. He wants to ask about uh, guillotines. And uh, stay with us. More to come on internment camps in America and possibly here in Canada. Gary Franchi, William Lewis, producers of Camp FEMA. Keeping an eye on the New World Order, this is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free 1-866-740-4740. Would you go quietly? Ah, that's the question, isn't it? Let's say there's a knock on your door at 3 o'clock in the morning and... Perhaps someone in the house uh, has made it known that uh, they will absolutely not accept a, uh, a mandatory vaccine. Let's say in that eventuality that uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, prognostications about uh, a swine flu are true, and it, it reaches a pandemic level, and the government institutes mandatory vaccinations. And let's say. You go public and say, I will not accept a mandatory vaccine. Not only that, but I will protest against mandatory vaccines. So that then comes the knock on your door at three in the morning. And they say, well, you either take the needle now or off you go to some compound surrounded by razor-topped wire fencing. Would you go quietly? William Lewis and Gary Franchi are the producers behind a new documentary, Camp FEMA, American Lockdown. Mario is in New York, and you're on the air, Mario. Go ahead. Yes, uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, two questions. I Forgive me if I missed your response concerning the guillotines. I'd like to hear something concerning that. And the second question has to do with where in New York and New Jersey are the FEMA camps? All right. Well, William and Gary, you have uh, addressed the the guillotine uh, issue, and that is that that seems to be, at this point at least, an unsubstantiated rumor, correct? Yes. All right. Now, as far as uh, FEMA camps in New York, New Jersey, any reports? I personally don't. Uh, but, you know, the thing about people, you know, we seem to be approaching this from the perspective of, 
if the, the FEMA camp has already been built or an internment camp has already been built. And they're not going to put these things right out there for people to, to see. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in, the fa- you know, in, in looking at the way this has happened historically, and I don't think that you're going to uh, see the, uh, the government openly building internment camps what you're going to see them building is these emergency facilities that they claim they want to use in the event of some type of a, a national crisis or in the event of some type of civil unrest or in the event of, in this particular legislation, the H.R. 645, they have an open-ended phrase that says in the, that they can use it for any purpose that they deem necessary. So <laughs> it's really... Uh, it's not necessary, in my opinion, for the camp to already be built and existing at this particular point. You're going to see some type of a mass um, mobilization when the trigger mechanism happens, and then that's you know, then you can tell me if you're living in New York where your FEMA camp is. All right. I, one would have to assume, though, in terms of, let's say, New Jersey, if they wanted to throw something together in a hurry, that uh, some facility that already exists, you might look at some place like McGuire Air Force Base in, in, uh, in Wrightstown. Um, there is a, uh, a naval weapons station in New Jersey in, uh, in Colts Neck, someplace like that, uh, one might suspect. And in, in New York, uh, New York State, you've got, of course, you've got an Air Force Base in Plattsburgh. You've got an Army Depot in Seneca. Uh, um, Brookhaven National Laboratory. Why not that? Up out on, on Long Island, Fort Drum. Uh, I would say those would all be likely, uh, likely candidates. But as you say, uh, William and Gary, this is something they they could probably throw up in an awful hurry. But but are there people? Uh, have you talked to anyone who 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 um, who claims that they've already uh, been in a uh, in a uh, a FEMA camp? Either of you, Gary or William, has have you talked to anyone who who says they've already served time in a FEMA camp? No, I've never spoken to anyone personally. No. Um, you know, like, like I mentioned earlier, I spoke with the internment camp survivor Sam Mozaki, who provided the historical details for our, uh, the, the core of our research. All right, let's go back to the phones, and uh, this time it's North York, and it's Nagio. Welcome to the Conspiracy Show on AM seven forty. Hello. Hi. Go ahead. I can't hear you. You're on the air. Go ahead, Nagio. Yes. Uh, the one you were talking about, it's uh, on I-70. Uh, it's going uh, from Indianapolis. Either it's Indiana, Illinois, or Missouri. I'm not sure. I stopped at one. It had a control tower, a barbed wire inside, a tall uh, glass building, uh, I saw a machine gun in placement, uh, two guards with the dogs, uh, they have people holding in there. I saw a bus, load of people unloading, and uh, one came running, uh, it looked like a prisoner, whatever. He was running at where I stopped. And the guards came toward me and told me what I'm doing. This is a restricted area. I said, what am I, on a highway, you know? Uh, this is not restricted area. You are inside the wire, you know? Hello? 
Yeah, no, I'm listening. Uh, you mentioned, uh, uh, as far as I remember, Indianapolis is not along I-70, but uh, I'm not sure if, if uh, you're referring to the same, the same, the Amtrak rail car repair well, this facility. Is what, this was in the 81, 1981, when I went down there. All right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm not sure where, where you were, but in Indianapolis is not on I-70. There is none? Not that I'm aware of. Uh, William Gary, you, you, you can correct me, but I don't think Indianapolis is on I-70. I'm going to find out where I exactly was because I remember everything. I have a photographic memory. Okay, please get back to us with some more information. Uh, Gary and William, did you want to expound on that at all? Well, I, I mean, I'm looking at our, our research data here, and, um, you know, there... I-70 looks like it does go through Indianapolis. It does. My, okay, my uh, my apologies and, then. And I believe he is talking about the Beach Grove facility. It's, it's probably about maybe 20 or 30 minutes from, from I-70. Um, and like I said before, I went there. That's a, that's an actual um, repair station for Amtrak. Uh, but there's also, there is another location, uh, possibly Fort Benjamin, uh, for Benjamin Harrison in Indiana, and uh, it says that this base has been uh, decommissioned from active use, but portions are still I- ideally converted to hold detainees. Helicopter landing areas still exist for prisoners uh, to be brought by air, land, and rail. So, um, you know, he could have been speaking of Fort Benjamin. Ah, okay. And now, Joe, again, my apologies. Uh, um, I um, I was mistaken. You were you were correct. I seventy does go through Indianapolis, uh, but again. It sounds like you might be talking about uh, the Amtrak re- rail car repair facility. It's there's some ma- major allegations uh, about that place, but uh, William and Gary uh, seem confident that that in fact is not a FEMA camp. But uh, it might have been Fort Benjamin Harrison that you're referring to. All right, listen. Why don't we take one final uh, timeout, come back, and uh, spend just a few more minutes with uh, Gary Franchi and William Lewis, producers of Camp FEMA: American Lockdown, Evidence of Internment Camps in America. The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. If you're at all intrigued, curious, or gravely concerned by what you're hearing from my guests, Gary Franchi and William Lewis, you'll uh, definitely want to uh, come out to the Review Cinema if you're listening in the greater Toronto area. On Saturday, October the 17th, where you'll be able to see and hear much of what they're talking about in greater detail, they are the producers of Camp FEMA, American Lockdown, Evidence of Internment Camps in America, the Canadian theatrical premiere happening, as I said, Saturday, October the 17th, the Review Cinema is located at 400 Roncesvalles Avenue. I will be presenting, uh, as well as uh, the good folks at Conspiracy Culture on uh, 1696 Queen Street East. And if you'd like to buy tickets, you can call over the phone using a MasterCard or Visa, 416-916-1696, 416-916-1696. You could uh, buy them at the door, but uh, these events tend to to, uh, to sell out fairly quickly. And again, uh, the uh, early bird, first 50 tickets, $5 each. Advanced tickets, $7 each or 5 for 30 $10 at the door. And I uh, hope to see you out there. The film starts, uh, I believe it's just after 7 o'clock, 
7 p.m., Saturday, October the 17th. Uh, William or Gary, have you talked to your, your elected officials? Have you uh, put this question to them? What do they know about uh, these detention uh, camps? I, either Gary or William? The only, the only interaction we had with actual government officials on, the, on this was going directly to FEMA uh, and trying to get to uh, the bottom of it. And like I mentioned earlier, they ignored us and didn't, didn't want to cooperate. Do you at all, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this in any flippant manner, but do you, are you concerned that uh, if there is a, a FEMA list that uh, both of you gentlemen would be on it and you could end up in one of these camps? Yeah, well, I, I, course, I hope yeah. we end up at the same camp. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's always good to have buddies in the camp. Uh, you know, you, you had mentioned earlier, and I know we had several people asking, where can I go see a FEMA camp? I think if you want to go see a FEMA camp, go look at Fort Leonard Wood right here in Missouri. It's about two hours from my home. It's the same guard tower that they use in the National Guard advertisement that, that, hi, that, that advertises that the National Guard is hiring for internment and resettlement specialists. They have an, an ad on Monster.com where the National Guard has posted a video along with all the information to, uh, you know, the, the job requirements. And uh, they call this position the internment and resettlement specialist. And the last scene that you see in the video, which we have in the documentary, is the guard tower that is at Fort Leonard Wood that has double row fencing around it, just like we see in the internment camps of the 1940s. And, uh, you know, to answer people's questions about, uh, you know, an actual confirmed FEMA camp, I think that would be a very good, uh, good bet that Fort Leonard Wood is, since it is also home of the um, National Training Center for, uh, you know, not only domestic terrorist training, but also for uh, non-lethal weaponry, which I believe will be heavily used in some, you know, a future situation where you want to quell the, uh, the public. Uh, yes, uh, the, um, the uh, active denial uh, system, is that what it's called, that they were experimenting in, uh, in Iraq, I think the first go around the Gulf War, using these uh, giant, uh, well, they're, they're not that large, but they're uh, like microwave, uh, uh, microwaves on, on top of these, uh, these vehicles that can uh, in, inflict incredible pain. Well, it, uh, it wasn't just in Iraq. I mean, they were using them in Pittsburgh at the G20. They're using microwave, tear gas, uh, long-range acoustical devices against American citizens. I mean, you know, we sent a cameraman out there to cover the, the protests and tyranny. My own camera guy was rounded up mace in the face because he was simply reporting. I mean, this is the state of America that we're living in. They're using military equipment that was designed, you know, for use in the field in Iraq and Afghanistan. They're bringing it home handing it off to police officers who are dressed up in, 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 in camouflage fatigues and taking action against the American people. Do you have a timeline, I mean, any, any sense, whether it's uh, based on any reports you've had or maybe even just a gut instinct on, on the timing of, of uh, a declaration of martial law or some sort of national emergency that would uh, get the ball rolling in terms of, of, of putting civilians in camps? My... My personal gut tells me to keep an eye out on uh, the modern technology that's used for uh, RFID microchipping. Um, that is a huge indicator of the level of uh, 
of sophistication that could be used to track Americans. Um, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, the, the I mean, there's this prophetic angle. Um, personally, my, in my, my personal faith, my belief that uh, Christians will be rounded up uh, and put into camps, and uh, I believe that's where the, the, the whole Gantine um, uh, indication comes from, from, from the Book of Revelation. So, uh, personally, I do, you know, have a, a knowledge of what to watch for, and that is one of them: is the technology of the uh, of the microchip implant. So I watch for that. That's really a strong indicator for me. All right, let's work in one more call while time allows. Eva's in Toronto. Welcome. Eva, you're on the air. Hi. Um, Richard uh, and your guests, I wonder if your guests draw any connection between the Canadian uh, Parliament about to take a vote on legalizing euthanasia and assisted suicide in Canada do you draw any um, uh, relevance of that to the, any of the subjects you're discussing tonight? Legalizing euthanasia. William, Gary, your thoughts on, on that? Is there any connection? I, I'm not sure I'm seeing yeah, one. I, I'm not sure if I can point to a connection. Um, you know, maybe some type of a, maybe some type of a, a, a eugenics, uh, hand-me-down type of a, you know, connection, but that's, that's as close as I can get to that. All right, Eva, thank you for that, nonetheless. Uh, Gary and William, listen, I, um, I'm looking forward to, uh, to presenting the film, Camp FEMA, this coming Saturday. I appreciate the time that you've spent with us. And uh, either of you quickly, uh, do you want to uh, talk about anything else that you're working on uh, in the few minutes that remain? William? <laughs> well, uh, we have decided to... Uh to do a follow-up, the, the ending of Camp FEMA is primarily concentrated on t- the Tenth Amendment and states' rights issues, uh, RFID chipping, putting uh, those uh, national ID cards out and tracking everyone everywhere they go is obviously a big issue for a lot of states, and where they're going to get the money to do it. They're not even worried about the implications on civil liberties. They're just worried about the fact that they can't afford it. But we're approaching it from a couple of different angles. We, we think that uh, really the next documentary we're going to be putting out is going to be uh, something centered on states' rights and uh, the Tenth Amendment and solutions to what we consider federal encroachment upon states' rights. All right. Which is, of course, our only defense against these camps. Now, uh, Saturday is the, the theatrical premiere of, uh, of um, Camp FEMA uh, here in Canada, but they're, they're, the DVDs are available for sale. How would they get a copy of the DVD? Uh, you can simply go to campfema.com. Uh, there's you can get them in you know there's there's bulk packs uh, you can get them in, in combo packs with Williams previous films uh, campfema.com various price structures that'll uh, fit anyone's budget so uh, we, you know we want people to get the film and, and most importantly we want people to have home screenings so that they can invite their friends and family over they can sit down and they can watch what is taking place in the United States uh, you know, and make informed decisions for their own life. All right. Again, uh, William Lewis, Gary Franchi, thank you for this. And uh, DVD copies actually will uh, be offered uh, for sale after the screening on Saturday night uh, by uh, Conspiracy Culture. You'll be able to purchase a DVD copy of Camp FEMA. Again, the premiere screening here in Canada, October the 17th. That's next Saturday, 7 p.m., 400 Roncesvalles Avenue. 
in Toronto. All right, ask Richard anything when The Conspiracy Show continues. Lines are wide open and available for you now. Or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740. Now until the top of the hour or 1 a.m., now until 1 a.m., Open lines. I like to call this segment, Ask Richard Anything. Uh, But it doesn't have to be in the form of a question. If you have a comment, if you'd like to comment on um, the previous 90 minutes on Camp FEMA, you're certainly welcome to do so. If you'd like to discuss anything to do with uh, conspiracies, cover-ups, political intrigue, political subterfuge, uh, encounters with the paranormal, supernatural, the unexplained, then the phone lines are available to you. Again, 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. And toll-free from just about anywhere, 1-866-740-4740. 1-866-740-4740. If you go to my website, richardserrett.com, you will see there, uh, down the left-hand side, uh, the main menu, and just below the main menu, you'll see uh, a little section called Your Call, where I, uh, I, put, I post uh, polls. And the latest poll has to do with something we discussed uh, last week on the show. The poll question is, are vaccines safe? And uh, I'd like to mention these from time to time, the poll results. Thus far, since we put the poll question up there, are vaccines safe? We've had uh, 53 respondents. 47 have said no. Are vaccines safe? 47 or 88.7% say no. Four say not sure. That's 7.5%. And two say yes, they are safe, or 3.8%. Again, 53 respondents, 47 said no, 4 said not sure, and 2 said yes. The question, are vaccines safe? Keep uh, checking out uh, the website. We, uh, we change the poll question uh, fairly frequently. Uh, but if it's um, something that's going um, hot and heavy, we'll, we'll keep it up there for a while. Uh, previous to, to that, the poll question was, was 9-11 an inside job? 132 votes. 95 said yes, 25 said no, 12 not sure. Now back to the, uh, the vaccine question. And I mentioned this brief, brief, briefly in the, uh, in the last hour. So let me put this question to you directly and you can respond to it if you'd like. If there comes a time in this province, in this country, in North America, where the powers that be, elected or otherwise, decide that they're going to institute a mandatory vaccine program. In other words, you will have no choice but to be inoculated against swine flu. 
What will you do? Assuming, of course, that you're uh, uh, in favor of it, then I, you probably wouldn't have a problem. But if you are opposed to such a vaccine, what will you do? How far would you go? 416-360-0740 and 1-866-740-4740. All right, let's uh, begin with uh, Bobby, who's in Virginia. Bobby, welcome to AM740 and The Conspiracy Show. Good to have you aboard. Hello, Richard. It's great to hear your program. We're listening from uh, Central Virginia. It's a very clear signal. Wonderful. It's Thank you. It's amazing how sometimes in the very important things, though, it gets fuzzed out. We are afraid that the National Security Agency is monitoring your thing and fuzzing up our, our broadcast. Well, what I wanted to talk about was the uh, recently, about a month ago, on American radio, we heard about a uh, uh, possible FEMA camp in the Hershey, Pennsylvania area, which would serve the New York and North Jersey metropolitan area, Philadelphia. Um, they said that there were transport truck uh, yellow code signs on many of the approaching roads uh, going into the Hershey, Pennsylvania area. Uh, Interesting. Colors yellow, blue, and red um, for uh, different to, to help guide truck drivers that might be strange to the area. You know, that's an interesting uh, uh, discussion, and I've had it with, uh, with, with Jim Mars, who, um, who wrote a book uh, called Above Top Secret. And one of the things that he addressed in that book was the, the theories or the rumors that uh, highway signs, traffic signs, in fact, are uh, encrypted with some message, perhaps directing them to uh, the closest FEMA camp. Uh, and again, this would be for... Uh, uh, soldiers not familiar with the area because in fact they are foreign soldiers so you you seem to be uh, indicating that there's some validity to that claim well that's what we've heard but also we've also heard about um the major interstate highways in america of course american truck drivers i used to have a cdl license and they uh, had a lot of special stuff that they were going to be upgrading guys with over the in recent years that i haven't participated in but um i'm sure that it's uh they have special, in, in times of national emergency, American truck drivers have to uh, go under federal, um, federal control and are, are subject to federal military, I'm sure, military direction in a national emergency. I don't know about Canadian truck drivers. Can you have your Canadian people call in? I, 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 that's a great question, and I hope that they would, Bobby, um, uh, to get an answer to that. Let me ask you a, a question, Bobby. I mentioned vaccines. Sure. And let's say, I mean, there are a number of states in the Union that have mandatory vaccine programs. In Maryland, for example... Uh, uh, parents were told to bring their their children to the uh, the town hall and have them inoculated under threat of imprisonment. Uh, this is going on as we speak. But Bobby, I don't know what the, the situation is in Virginia, but if or, or how you feel about vaccinations. But uh, if there was a a mandated uh, vaccination program against the swine flu, what would you do? Um, we would refuse it. We've listened to your uh, to the wonderful show that you have with Dr. Leonard Horowitz some weeks ago, and uh, my, we've gone on the website and we've seen all the things, the flu scam, things on flu, like fluscam.com, I think it is. Yes. And uh, we, we, we are recently, our Medical College of Virginia asked for special, uh, special groups to come in for free inoculations early. They wanted young children and they wanted pregnant young women. The very target groups that Dr. Horowitz said were the ones that would most possibly be um, negatively affected by this swine flu. And it scared the hell out of me. So you would refuse. Would you go to prison if Absolutely. need be? Absolutely, yes. All right. We belong to the National Rifle Association. 
I hope the Canadian people can still keep their firearms. We've heard that they don't have them, or there's been some kind of gun roundup. Um, my people fought the Civil War. My people fought the Revolutionary War. Um, we have to fight for America. Bobby in Virginia, great to hear from you. I hope you'll continue to listen and to call in on occasion. Thank you so much. All right, let's say hello to uh, Kim. Kim, welcome to The Conspiracy Show on AM740 in Toronto. Yes, hi. How are you today? I'm well. Where are you calling from, Kim? I'm calling from here in Toronto, here in Mississauga. Okay. And uh, I just have um, a comment, and also I'd like to ask you a question, if that's possible. Please, fire away. You know, I just uh, finished listening to um, your uh, show on Camp FEMA, right? Yes. And I don't know if uh, the Canadian uh, people remember back in 1970, we had the uh, FLQ crisis, the October crisis. Yes. Okay. The Americans have, <clears throat> excuse me, the Americans have what they call the Patriot Act. Yes. We have what we call the War Measures Act. Right. And believe it or not, the War Me- Measures Act, the government can do whatever they want. They can, they, they've combined the military as well as the police force in Quebec to combat the uh, terrorist group, the FLQ. So just for some people who, you know, think that uh, the government of Canada cannot do anything like that here. Kim, that's an, excellent, that's an excellent point. And I'm, uh, I was six years old at the time, and I, of course I... Uh, I remember the, the, the famous uh, remark by Trudeau on the steps of uh, Parliament Hill when he was asked by a reporter, how far will you go? And he said, well, just watch me. But I, what I don't recall, and I'll have to look into this, Kim, is the, the mechanism by which the War Measures Act is invoked. Uh, is it simply an order from the, the directly out of the, the prime minister's office, or does it have to be, each time, does it have to be passed through uh, Parliament? I believe it has to be passed through Parliament, does it not? From what I understand, I, I was very young too. I was in I was in grade um, grade uh, seven, living in Halifax at that time. From what I understand, the um, and don't quote me on this. I, I have to do my research. If the prime minister deems that there's an, a national emergency, right? If he deems that there's a national emergency, he can pass by himself the War Measures Act. He doesn't have to go through Parliament. He can just say, we have an, an emergency right now. I declare the War Measures Act today. All right. Um, I'm just reading here something that I looked up very quickly. It says that the War Measures Act was replaced by the Public Order Bill, eventually rescinded after 15 years by the Conservative government in the fall of 1985. So... If I'm reading this correctly, the War Measures Act was replaced by the Public Order Bill, but it was eventually rescinded after 15 years. So I don't know what that means in terms of, um, you know, what what uh, then is currently exists on the books and what measures that they have at their disposal. Uh, but that's certainly something that needs to be looked at very carefully. And Kim, I uh, I appreciate you bringing uh, that to our attention and reminding us of that uh, rather ugly chapter in Canadian history. Keeping in mind, it was uh, a little bit like killing a mosquito with a howitzer, concerning that the the terrorist acts in Quebec were very isolated, yet they were rounding up people in in British Columbia and uh, jailing them and uh, holding them without trial, etc. So we have to be, as uh, to, po- to quote uh, 
Barry Goldwater, eternally vigilant. All right, open lines. Ask Richard anything continues. If you've got a line, hold on to it. If you don't, grab one, 416-360-0740-866-740-4740. Don't go away. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Ask me anything. I say anything. Again, uh, it has to relate to what we, we talk about on this program. Conspiracies, cover-ups, the paranormal. And uh, if you've got a strange uh, or a, a, a spine-tingling tale... Uh, would love to hear that as well. I, uh, I mentioned again uh, vaccines. I want to bring up one more point. And uh, a local Toronto writer, uh, the mighty Aphrodite, uh, brought this to my attention the other night. And I can't remember the writer's name, a female, uh, talking about the, the swine flu vaccination. And uh, claimed that she had swine flu. Was told she had swine flu by her doctor. But then she revealed in the article that she was never swabbed. In other words, they didn't take a, uh, a swab, a sample from, you know, the soft palate inside the mouth. They didn't send that off to the lab. So, in fact, the swine flu uh, diagnosis was simply hearsay, really. And I'm wondering now... How many of the swine flu cases that are reported are actually verifiable? Doctors simply aren't swabbing. They're saying, well, based on your symptoms, I think you might have the swine flu. It's been pretty much a bust, though, hasn't it, this so-called pandemic? The second wave is supposed to be upon us. The first one uh, came around in the spring, and we were told, get ready for the big one in the fall. Well, here we are, October 12th, and really, not it's much ado about nothing. All right, let's say hello to Doreen in Niagara Falls. Hello, Doreen. Hi, Richard. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. First of all, I'm going to wish you and everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Secondly... A question I have for you, I think you can answer after I get off the telephone. I wonder if you listen to the Chicago Truckers station that comes on after midnight. Sometimes they speak about superhighways, about going into tunnels and building and uh, places like what was mentioned previously by the two gentlemen. Uh, no, I'm not familiar with uh, that particular program, Doreen. It's 720 on the radio dial, Chicago. All right. Okay. And you'll get different information at different times. Uh, these are these are truckers uh, talking about what They're they've calling seen. In. Okay, all right. It okay. says up here on the screen uh, something about superhighways. Yep, they had it about superhighway. That's where I first learned about it. The, the superhighways are, are uh, uh, alleged to be the. Um, they started building them, and they the were major them. yeah the major transportation corridor uh, running from basically Mexico all the way up to the Canadian border. That's going to facilitate or be an essential uh, part of uh, the rumored North American Union. 
It was supposed to be going to Texas and then rooting up to Winnipeg, Manitoba. Yes, yes. This and is they've a... also built another highway that they said they were going to stop that, but they also apparently have built another highway in the southern part of the states. Now, I also heard about how uh, one of the truckers said he was going into this tunnel where they were building stuff, and um, like describing the prison cells. So there's all kinds of information that comes Prison cells. Wow. Sure. Well, you know, you get some tremendous information from uh, from truckers. They they certainly see a lot. Doreen, thank you for that. And I think I owe my good man Dan a uh, a break here. Do I? In fact, all right. Let's get that done so we can come back. And uh, time permitting, I want to play for you a nine eleven call. Received an email uh, from someone. And uh, well, it's a nine eleven call that uh, involves Bigfoot. Let's just leave it at that. Shall we? Back with more in a moment. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Next week on the program, Canada's Edgar Cayce, Douglas James Cottrell. He's a medical intuitive and a remote viewer, and he will be here, I believe, live in studio. That'll be a good one, I can assure you. Uh, one of the great things about doing a program such as this is the, uh, the the type of mail and emails that I receive. I don't just receive the usual, uh, you know, uh, suggestions to talk about uh, this or that on the show or uh, um, sort of that grinding workaday reality kind of stuff. I receive, uh, for example, uh, MP3s via email of... Um, uh, what people believe are ghosts, the voices of ghosts. Uh, or I'll receive uh, a JPEG or an actual photograph in the mail of uh, something that someone believes is a ghost. Or uh, someone will be writing me a, um, a handwritten letter in very shaky hand, uh, penmanship, uh, you know, claiming that they were an alien abductee. And I don't, I'm not being flippant about it. I mean, I take these things very seriously because I believe these are genuine experiences. But just to give you a sense of the kind of mail that I get, it's, 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 it's quite remarkable. But something that I did get was an email. And uh, this was a, uh, it's a, it's a, uh, a 9-11 recording. The email obviously contained an MP3. It's a 9-11 recording from somewhere in Washington State. Uh, it's, uh, it's an excerpt again, from an authentic 9-11 call. And this happened apparently in the 1990s. Let me just uh, play that for you right now. And uh, it could be an actual 9-11 call involving an encounter with a Bigfoot. Dan, let's listen. 911, what are you reporting? Uh, we got someone or something crawling around out here. Did you see what it was? Was it a person or an animal or? I can't tell. All I know is that my central light came on and I just happened to glimpse and see this thing running across the yard. A good sized man or something looks like a man. I don't know what it was, just that it ran across the yard. Okay. You've had problems in the neighborhood before? Yeah, my dog was killed here just recently. I don't know what it was. Whatever it is, it's running. I couldn't catch it if I was going to chase it. But whatever it was, it was standing up. I'm out here looking through the window now and I don't see anything. I don't want to go outside. Jeez. 
Jesus Christ, you better... Sheriff, Zia! Hello? Get somebody out here. What's going on now, sir? That son of a bitch is about six foot nine, I don't know. Do you see him now, sir? Yes, I'm looking right at him. Uh-oh. Okay, hang on. He's right... Is he in your yard, sir? Yeah, God, he's big. Okay, what's he doing in your yard? He's looking at me. Oh, and the guy is on foot. Just... I don't know what... It, it's, it's a big... Real big person. That's all I can say. Okay, but it is a it is a person. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it was a person, somebody really big. But he's all in black. He's is he a black male or a white male? Did you actually see whether, or was he just wearing black? He's all black and he's big. He is big. There you go. Uh, well, there you go. It's an actual 9/11 call from. Kitsap Peninsula, that's in Washington State, that's back in the 90s. And uh, the dispatcher's protocol was to verify the man's name and, and address. She does that, and uh, that's in the unedited uh, original version, which uh, I didn't play for you. We cut out the man's uh, name. And uh, man describes a very large person or creature in his backyard also uh, reported that his dog had been killed by some unknown creature or thing several weeks earlier. So, listen, I, I really appreciate uh, those, uh, those types of emails, so keep them coming. All right, I think we've got time for one more quick call here. Pat, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Well, hi there. Hi there. Uh, just a couple of quick items. Where are you calling from, I, Pat, first of all? Oh, Indianap- the Indianapolis, Indiana area. Ah, all right. The, uh, the site of the, uh, uh, the Amtrak uh, rail uh, repair facility or a FEMA camp. We're not sure. Well, that's out there on the southeast side in a community within Marion County called Beach Grove. Yes. Which the city wants to condemn. So they can turn around and convert it into a shopping mall and upscale apart, uh, condominiums. All right. So definitely doesn't sound like it's a FEMA camp. Uh, that's right. Now, right. these camps and everything, I mean, this is, talk has been around for better than 30-plus years. Uh, that's when I first heard about it. And uh, we've yet to see anything relative to that right now what is of concern is the problems that are going on down here with the political system um i just got your email address i'm going to send you some information that i received uh, earlier this evening all right about a judge i believe his name is judge palmer issuing a from san diego san diego uh a uh, federal court for <clears throat> the Southern District of California, ordering Har- Harvard University to open up all of the educational files and everything relative to a man by the name of Barry. That's his last name. Yes. Which was the international name that was used by uh, our president. Uh, Barry Sotero. Barry Sotero. That was his name while That's he was right. in Indonesia. That's right. And he has also issued an order to Maui County, Hawaii, ordering them to open up over and above the executive order, which was signed by President Obama on the day of his, uh, uh, quote, quote, coronation. 
uh, all his medical records, you know, for review and consideration. Listen, Pat, I'm uh, I'm late here. We're um, we're out of time, but I'd like to hear from you again. Maybe you can give me a call uh, next Sunday. I look forward to getting that email. I'll check it out. Of course, I've I've uh, talked a lot about uh, this whole issue of Barack Obama's. Uh, uh, you know, birth certificate. Is he from Kenya? Is he from Hawaii? I'm not quite sure we'll ever get to the bottom of that because no federal judge seems willing uh, to hear the case. However, I, I'll read your email with interest because it sounds like uh, there might be some movement in that regard. All right, listen, thank you uh, all for listening and calling in. Thank you to Dan Ellison, my uh, co-pilot here and technical producer. And again, next week, Douglas James Cottrell, Canada's Edgar Casey, live in studio. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, and what I say in a whisper. Proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.